Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Rob. And this is Two, Two Librarians, Librarians Walk Into a Shelf. Thank you for joining us today on this third episode of our podcast. Third episode, really? Third episode. It seems like it was just like 20 minutes ago we did the first one. I think it was. What? That's insane. <laughs> well, to get us started today, I think we're going to talk a little bit about ourselves. It's a little awkward, but we're going to do it anyway. Yeah, sure. Um, it's our podcast. Sure. Uh, Rob, what do you like to read? What do I like to read? Okay. Um, I like to think I read a lot of different things, but maybe maybe it's just the same thing in different genres. Well, that's okay. But I, I enjoy horror. All right. I like old science fiction where they got everything wrong, you know. Right. I don't I don't like the modern stuff because it's too tech heavy. I like, you know. You just want the aliens. I just want the aliens. Sure. I want laser guns. Right. Um, and, and I've gotten into westerns. And a western is really just a science fiction movie or a horror movie and a romance. And a romance. And a romance. But wrapped up in a package that is palatable That's, to men. That a man could read and, and if somebody says, are you reading a romance? You say, no. It's a cowboy. It's a cowboy book. So I, I like to read those and then different um, nonfiction books about uh, films, uh, movies. I, I love movies. So Yeah. And so what about you? What do you like to read? I also think I like to read a little bit of everything. Uh, but it probably is just the same thing in a different package, <laughs> you know. I like romance novels uh, because to be classified as a romance novel, it has to end with a happily ever after. So if I need okay. if I need a comfort read, I know that no matter what else happens in that book at the end, <laughs> the two people meant to be together are going to be together. Uh, so it's it's a comfort, sure. comfort read. Sure. Um, I also have been really getting into mystery thrillers. Okay. Uh, it's not something that I really expected myself to be into, but maybe the state of affairs of the world right now, for whatever reason, a mystery thriller just hits the right note. There you go. So, yeah, mystery thrillers, nothing too gruesome, um, but they're, they're, they're keeping my interest. Um, and I also like a little bit of magical realism or just light fantasy, not epic or medieval fantasy, maybe paranormal fiction okay magic in the real world okay so that that's kind of my favorite thing okay yeah all right uh let me ask you a library question all right you answer a lot of questions for patrons mm -hmm. i know you do i've seen you do it what's your favorite question like what when a patron asks you something you get real excited to answer and show them something what is that question that gets you excited the question that gets me excited i think is when someone asks for a good thing to read that they wouldn't have picked out for themselves mm-hmm uh, then there's the standard questions that most library people know to ask just to figure out, like, what was the last book you read that you really liked or, um, you know, your favorite genre to lead you in the right direction. But I like it when they say something that I wouldn't pick out for myself. So I normally cool. read this, but can you take me in a different direction? Cool. Uh, that's my favorite one to answer. Awesome. What about you? Your favorite question when a patron comes <sighs> up to ask you, what is it? All right. Well, mine's a Mine happened when I was floating years ago, and I actually hap it happened at the Madison Library. The old one? The old one before we moved into this big, beautiful new building. And um, a patron asked me uh, if I could help her find 80s horror movies. Oh. Yeah. 
you could have probably seen the little hearts, little cartoon hearts popping out of me. I was so excited to jump up and like, well, yes, come over here. Do you like Freddy Krueger or Jason Voorhees? And um, she was very, very nice and appreciated the uh, help and, and said that a lot of the younger um, employees, although they tried to help, they just didn't understand what didn't she meant get the by 80s, 80s horror. Yeah. yeah, so I was very excited. And then now um, making grab bags, um, obviously with what I enjoy reading. Uh, yesterday I had somebody who asked if, if there'd be any way possible to put a grab bag of westerns together. Aww. I did that in no time. Sure. So that's that's fun. Knowing what somebody likes, hoping that you're finding some new stuff. And uh, and I've we do the books that we recommend. We have the month where each of us gets to put stuff mm -hmm. out there. And I've had patrons come back and say they've really enjoyed something from one of my picks, and that's huge. Yeah, it's like the, uh, the epitome of happiness for a library worker. Yes. Uh, to know that you've put the right book in the hands of the right person. Yes. And that they enjoyed it, so. That's always a great, a big kick. It is, we love doing that. So uh, hopefully listening to our podcast, it helps you find something that you wouldn't have normally picked out. Hope so, Yeah. hope so. Uh, today's episode, we're gonna talk more about romance novels. Uh, you can kind of check out a goofy take on romance novels on the YouTube channel. Uh, for the library's YouTube channel. We, we did an awesome video. We did. Uh, you can see our top 10 favorite Fabio romance novel covers that have been donated to the library. They were all 100% Fabio. All Fabio all the time. All Fabio all the time. That's right. <laughs> yep. Um, so just, uh, just lighthearted fun. Uh, go check out uh, the Fabio episode. But we did say in that episode that we would talk more about uh, the history of romance novel covers and romance novels in general uh, in our podcast. So we're going to do that today. So first, though, let's talk about a uh, book recommendation. Rob. Okay. What you got? All right. Well, it's not a Western. I know what? you thought I know you thought I was going to pull out a Western. Um, this is an actual, I think this counts. Uh, everybody at Madison knows every Christmas I, I try desperately to grab onto some kind of Christmas spirit and I read as many Christmas themed novels as possible. Mm -hmm. And a lot of Christmas themed novels it's are It's very romance. heartwarming. It is, it's like a comfort food. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know your Christmas is gonna be a regular Christmas, but the people in Christmas, particularly Christmas romance novels, they have the most spectacular mm -hmm. Christmases ever. Like Christmas doesn't exist like it does no. in a Christmas romance novel. So I went, I went for, and there's all kinds, as, as you well know, there's all kinds of, of not only there's all kinds of, of romances out there, there's all kinds of romance Christmas novels, and mm -hmm. I've read a couple of them, and uh, I really do this. Everyone thinks that I, I'm being goofy when I do it, but again, it's trying to find something, getting out of, of the regular stuff that I read. So, yeah. so this I read this past Christmas. It's Christmas at Harrington's by Melody Carlson. Okay. So, uh, you know, I always start off earnestly reading these novels. Mm -hmm. And last year I started in November and I read them as many as I could. I think I got six or seven between November and December. And I'm just trying to squeeze out the most holiday joy and goodwill. Mm -hmm. uh, but usually sooner than later, these books just pummel my senses and just make me numb to the festivities. Aww. No, I think, it, I think it happens anyway. But they're having so many perfect Christmases, you're like, oh. <laughs> Not another perfect Christmas. <laughs> so in this one, our heroine, uh, uh, heroine Lena Markham, 
is just getting out of the jail for a crime she didn't commit. Oh dear. That she was uh, framed by her preacher husband. What? About some church funds. What? So Lena didn't want to rock the boat. She kept quiet during the trial and okay. she got tossed in the slams. Dang. And uh, she did her time for a crime that she didn't commit. This is this is not what I would have expected by the cover of this book. No, you're right. The cover does not. She does not look like a a, a person that would do time, but she she did, and uh, so now she's being released right before Christmas, and she's broke. She has no family, and so she just decides to make a new start in New Haven, Minnesota, just weeks before Christmas. Okay. So on the bus ride to her new home, uh, she meets a kindly, wealthier old woman who's a little eccentric because right. she has means, but she loves to ride the bus. Uh, that's Moira Phillips. Okay. And she offers Lena some food and a coat, a magical coat that makes her look like Mrs. Santa Claus. It, it does. She does look like Mrs. Claus. And that's Claus. what she's wearing on the cover. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they get to know each other and... Uh, uh, then Lena gets into town. She gets to her one house, uh, one room apartment, um, and she immediately meets the single mother who lives down the hall with her precocious six-year-old who's hiding from her abusive husband. Okay. Lena's looking for a job, but no one's hiring this close to Christmas. But she's suddenly discovered wearing the coat that she was given uh, by the local department store who thinks she looks like Mrs. Claus. So she gets a sweet gig at Harrington's. Oh. Christmas at Harrington's at the Harrington's department store. This book has everything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's got the wise but grouchy landlady, mm -hmm. uh, the handsome widowed, widowed single dad lawyer, <laughs> the spunky lady manager of Harrington's who doesn't have time for Lena's prison woes because she's dealing with the, the, the department store doing financially it's in ruins but once they hire lena as mrs claus then everybody's coming and spending money okay uh, we've got the teenager with cancer oh we've got her losing her job and miraculously finding a new job within hours at the local library that is a miracle yeah and then uh, then there's the christmas miracle of lena finding personal fulfillment and happiness on christmas day uh, this one crams a lot into 167 pages. I see. <laughs> uh, when I was done reading it, I was exhausted. <laughs> did I like it? As much as I hate to admit it, I did. <laughs> okay. I love the vi lifetime movie vibe of this book. I, I, again, I, I just there's something cheesy and wonderful about yeah. good things happening to people who have that Christmas miracle yep. spirit in their heart and uh, you know it's nice it's nice to pull it out blow the dust off of it put it up for the season and then and then it's time to put it back in the attic for another another year christmas at harrington's melody carlson we have several copies in the system right. we have a lot of similar books by uh, melody carlson and then there's ebooks and audiobooks available on hoopla as well so that should help with your Christmas romance fix. Yeah, well, you know that there's a bunch. They'll start coming out pretty soon. Yes, They'll be I'm all over so our shelves. I'm so excited. And I'll, I'm looking for recommendations. So if anybody out there wants to recommend a cheesy, um, a cheesy good Christmas romance, please do. All right. Well, uh, the romance novel I'm going to talk about today is called um, Wicked and the Wallflower. It's by Sarah McLean.
Sarah McLean is by far my favorite romance novel author. I think she writes believable characters. She writes characters that you really root for uh, and you want them you want them to succeed. You want them to be together. You really want them to get whatever it is that they want in life because they're good. They're characters you can root for. And okay. if I if I can't read a book if there's characters that I can't root for. No. I, it's not worth it's it. It's tough. If if they're miserable people, I can't read it. Anyway, so all, all I've read everything Sarah McLean has written, and she has a type, and that's okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the main character is always a very headstrong stubborn, independent woman who is trying to figure out how to be that in Regency England. Oh, wow. In a time when that's not a thing that women can be. Um, so they're always uh, bucking the norms, they're bucking tradition, and they just want to make things on their own and live a life that they want. Um, so Wicked in the Wallflower, it's about a wallflower. Uh, she um, has not had success coming out in season and being presented as an eligible bachelorette. Um, she's, she feels that she is plain. No one wants her. Aww. And she's approaching, gasp, 27. Oh, no, becoming no, unmarriageable. No. This can't uh, she happen. Is, she's had some, a little bit of scandal in her past, but nothing too terrible. And she ends up falling in love with, like, a street fighter type guy. Oh. Um, who Likes the bad runs, boys runs an underground um, like whiskey running trade. So the two don't really mesh well at first. There's some tricks, tricking each other going on. Like she needs him for something and he needs her for something else. But in the end, they end up, of course, in love. Of course. Um, of course. So I really like Sarah McLean's uh, writing because like I said, the characters are believable. They're never too much of something. Right. The women are always independent, strong, know what they want, and we'll go after it. And uh, I can appreciate that. So let's talk about romance novels as a whole. Okay. All right. What do you got for us? The cover that we all think of when we think of a romance novel cover is called a clinch cover. The one where, you know, the man is grasping the woman and it, sometimes it looks like she's trying to get away. <laughs> um, and that's, you know, the stereotype of a romance novel cover that we think about. It's called a clinch cover. So those became really popular when romances took off in the mid-70s. You know, sometimes they're on a pirate ship, sometimes they're on a horse, who knows, but they're always, like, grasping at each other. So in, you know, late 70s, mid to late 70s, uh, the Playboy Press is who made it famous. Really? Um, yep, it was Playboy Press. They, um, they've said that the reasoning behind it was that uh, women needed to know what they were buying. There was no way they would know what they were buying if the cover wasn't explicit. Then in the late 80s, you started seeing a trend where you had a plain cover and you open it up and the front page is a glossy uh, painting at first um, of what was the clinch cover to start with. So you've got Fabio and his lady friend uh, on the inside cover. So the outside just looks like your standard everyday grocery store $5 novel that grandma picks up on her weekly run. <laughs> Uh, but you open up the page, and it's Fabio and his lady friend. What are you reading, Grandma? <laughs> well, you wouldn't know. See, this is just a purple cover. A purple cover with, with a, a heart. A heart. It's boring. The title. There's nothing there, but you open up the cover, and it's um, it's Fabio. Va, 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 boom. So, um, so those are called a step-back cover, a gatefold cover, you know, innocuous cover with this, the, the scandalous cover in the front. 
so Joanna Lindsay, who's prolific, she was writing in the 80s. She's still writing romances today. She, uh, her first Step Back cover was published in 1991. And uh, she has been on the record of saying that the push was because the artwork was so scandalous that people were embarrassed to buy it because of the, oh. the stigma, the reputation, gotcha. the teasing uh, that came from reading romance novels. They were considered tawdry and uneducated and you know, it just wasn't done. So sales started to slip. Sales started to slip because people didn't want the stigma. Uh, the whole shame thing from your peers is pretty heavy influence. It can be. So um, they didn't want to be seen in the grocery store by their fellow, you know, church ladies or moms sure. <laughs> buying Fabio covers. But this doesn't catch your eye as much. Plain purple cover, scripty writing, just a heart on the cover. So. It's not really surprising that that happened. We use objects and imagery to project who we want people to see us as. Right. Um, and since people judged romance novels as being classless, tawdry, for uneducated people, no one wanted to be seen that way. Sure. Um, so we got this uh, step back cover. The step back cover was born. It's kind of swung back in the other direction. Uh, if you look at modern, more modern covers, you'll see usually it's just a single woman looking out defiantly um, into the future. You see her; she's just staring out into the, you know, into the audience. But you open the cover, and it's usually a more intimate scene than what was on the clinch covers before. Instead of looking away from each other, they're usually looking at each other. They're in a tender embrace, not something kind of scandalous looking. So it's it's gone back to now. It's a picture. It's a photograph, it's not a painting. Uh, but it's gone back to that, the trend of having the picture. People like the picture. Really? They like it. It's nostalgic for some people. And for others, it just helps them know what they're buying. Right. Which, you know, that was kind of the point in the first place, right? You don't know what you're buying if it doesn't look like all the other romance novel covers. But there was an outcry to bring them back when they went away for a while. So, you know, the, the embracing is more tender. It's less... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Tawdry. I keep saying that word. Exploitative. Exploitative. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, it's more romantic <laughs> now. So yeah, there's a there's a long kind of interesting social history of the romance novel. Uh, I think it's worth talking about. Yes. Uh, so what do you prefer? Do you prefer the pictures of the modern ones, or do you like the the paintings, the portrait? I think I like the paintings, just because they're so otherworldly kind of like right. the paint you know you can tell it's a painting and it it, it makes it look more fantastical sure so absolutely I think I, I, I think I prefer the paintings okay it's definitely an art form that um, you don't see a whole lot of anymore no that's a shame yeah and, uh, and apparently the artist that discovered Fabio made a ton of money <laughs> really yeah I wish I could remember her name her last name starts with a D I cannot believe I can't remember her name but all of these covers were painted by her, and she discovered him, and she made a ton of money doing romance novel covers wow. with Fabio. So it's pretty cool. And Fabio did pretty good too then. Yeah, I think he did pretty so okay for himself. He, he did some stuff. Yep. All right. Yeah, so that's our romance novel episode of okay. the podcast. Um, thank you for joining us today. Thank you on so our much. third episode. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.